What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K. Campus to Caching with, of course, co-host Ethan Sowers. Here to talk DraftKings main slate on Saturday, week three. I got one question for you. Is it depressing or exciting that we're like 20% of the way done with the season? You know, I was thinking about the exact same thing. It's like the 20, 25% mark. If we're not counting postseason and championship games and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's a little depressing, but uh, you know the content grind is is always a a slug. So it's uh, it's a double edged sword for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just so much. I love this so much, but I also just like you and a lot of other guys, of course, over at C two C, your go to site for Devi CFF C two C DFS and every other possible thing that involves college fantasy football. Um, we do so much stuff that it it's hard, right? It's just like, man, it's a give take. You you love it, you hate it, and then you miss it. Yeah, it's just content kind of, it's a on cyclical top of, thing. of doing every fantasy slate that DraftKings drops is also that's in in and of itself requires a certain amount of endurance just to play every slate. So it's it's uh kind of exciting that we're we're creeping through September already and gonna get to some CUSA Sunbelt uh, grossness midweek soon. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to a spot here shortly that's just going to be absolutely brutal, but it's going to be absolutely amazing at the same time. It's going to test our marriages and our family (laughs) strength here, but uh, let's talk Saturday. Um, This, of course, to repeat, DraftKings main slate on Saturday. Um, We avoided chaos and pandemonium and the chalkiest slate ever as you know, Brock Bowers was 3K, Lad McConkey was 3K. Not that I think like either of them are like Rasheen Ali type elite, elite CFF consistent players, but like that would have just been rude, right? So yeah, they pulled it back, they re-release it, those they fixed those two fix in a sense, those two prices. So we're better. But I think starting at quarterback, they left one guy at a very cheap rate that I think is like I don't say a must start, but like, man, I'm going to, I'm likely to have a lot of Nate Johnson, the Utah quarterback. What are your thoughts on him and that Utah game against Weaver state? Yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting watching again, Cam rising status. I would be shocked if they rush him back out against uh, Weaver state here, but um, I did hear, I was watching the, or listening to the cover three podcast and they did mention uh, that Weaver State is a very uh, blitz-happy defense. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, 4,500 for a mobile quarterback is the ultimate cheat code for sure. So I'm going to have a good deal of uh, Nate Johnson in there. Um, but it'll be interesting. I-, I think that there is maybe some capped upside. Um, I think Utah really just wants to go into this game, come out healthy on the other side with the way that they've been kind of beaten up early in the season. Micah Bernard, um, I'm curious what his status is going to be. So um, I think yeah, I think Bernard's done for the season. Oh, I did not hear that, but that yeah, that is just a brutal uh, turn of events for the Utes. Yeah, you know, I think you make a good point. I think Utah just wants to get healthy. I think they need to get healthy. They're about to get into a tough straight, you know, slate of games. We're looking at UCLA, Oregon State, um, Cal, then USC, then Oregon. I mean, if the easiest team you play is Cal, that's, I mean, that's not a, that's not a difficult team, but if that's your easiest game in the next five weeks, you're not, 
Yeah. You're not pushing Cam Rising this week yeah, against Weaver State. Sure. Like you rolled out Barnes and Johnson for Florida and Baylor. Yeah. You come out unscathed, although last week was quite interesting in that <laughs> yeah. Baylor matchup. But why wouldn't you do it again? And my I would yeah. say my my counterpoint to hey, if someone said rising is gonna play, he can't play that much, right? Like and at yeah. forty five hundred for Johnson, his rushing ability, I mean, do, he could literally break off. He could run for 20 yards in the first half, break off an 80-yard run, and he hits the bonus. He has a touchdown, and he, you know, yeah. not to mention potential passing stuff, right? Um, yeah, it looks like it's I was definitely just say, got kind of two sides of the coin there. With rising, you you think that maybe they want to get him some in-game experience just so that he's he's not rusty going into the Pac-12 schedule. So I could see that, um, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity where if you are going to have to rely at all on uh, backup quarterback you want them to be as comfortable and confident in the offense as well so maybe they do get a little bit more of an extended uh, look there yeah I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on a Johnson just because I think we everybody gets the point cheap good but I thought he was I think he's a pretty decent quarterback like I think that he is kind of the next guy up for Utah obviously and then I think he will be a very productive CFF quarterback so it's not like we're talking about some stiff that's not very good yeah. um so moving on, let's talk, I guess, studs. This is a weird group of, of stud quarterbacks or high-priced quarterbacks. Um, I think we're going to talk Jordan Travis for flex or fade, correct? Yeah. Yep. So let's uh, stay tuned to that one. NIL members, you get the special privilege of of hearing about that. Uh, is there a, is there another high-priced guy that we like? Um, I don't think in that like ultra expensive, like over 86, 8,700, I don't really love Jaden Daniels is intriguing against Miss Mississippi state. Um, obviously he's, you know, got that rushing upside. Um, I don't really love relying on, um, I'm looking at DJU at 9,000. I don't really love relying on a mobile quarterback in a matchup where they are highly favored. Um, because I, I think that the the upside is capped there with with rushing ability usually when teams are favored that heavily you don't see the quarterback as mobile and as uh as scrambling as much they kind of can ground and pound and put it on cruise control and i think they will a little bit against san diego state um what do you think about sam hartman though we're there at 8500 he's kind of the first name that jumps out at me as you know i think that that is a really pretty strong play at 8,500 against central Michigan. I mean, if you look at it, it is a, it's a potential blowout game. Central Michigan's like super one dimensional. I think they just lost to new Hampshire, right? Like, so you could consider that a potential issue, but if you look at right, the games they've already played, they blow out with Navy, but 26 fancy points. Exactly. You look at NC state, they won by 21. So a bigger game, although that was kind of a breakaway in the second half type thing. Still three, you know, 23 points, 24 points. So I like him. Um, I would say he's more of a cash game guy for me. I want to see him in like a, if I would, you know, what would have happened if NC state really hung with them, you know, and yeah. they didn't really, you know, pull back on him a little bit at the end. I do like him as an option. He kind of reminds me of Jaden Daniels in a sense that like, you know, even if they blow out the other team, they're going to get theirs, yeah. right? Like, and, yeah. and it's just kind of just a usage thing for Daniels. It's a, just a pure efficiency, like just effectiveness thing for Hartman. Yeah. So I do think both of those guys are really good cash plays. Whereas 
Daniels, I think I like Daniels more. I think he also is like really viable in tournaments. Yeah. Um, the next guy that, that I'm looking at is Will Howard. I know he's been a, uh, a personal favorite for the two of us so far this yeah. year, and we've had good results playing him. Um, at Missouri this week, um, do we expect to see kind of DJ Giddens and uh, Trishon Ward uh, start to take over a little bit? Or, uh, I mean, it, it almost seems like that Kansas State rushing game is just a little bit more inefficient than we're used to, and they're mm-hmm. going to have to rely on Howard. I think they use, I don't think they change how they use Howard. You know, I, I think Giddens and Ward are good players, but that offense without a, without a, um, what's his name? The little fella. Deuce. Without Deuce, right? How can I forget Deuce? Without <laughs> Deuce, how do you, you can't replicate that, right? Like Tajay Spears, you can't just, you can't replicate that. So you have to then adapt a little bit. And I think they've, you know, Colin Klein led offense. I was, I always thought Will Howard was like in best balls was a great safe play. Yep. And he's proved obviously proven that, but I, he's yeah. shown upside because they're Definitely. letting him score around the end zone, yeah. the rushing, the quickest way to create insane upside is to get the ball Absolutely. inside the 10 yard line. So I love Will Howard. Like you said, we've both, uh, we've won some monies off Will Howard. So we will continue yep. to rock Will Howard. So yep. would you put him as your top quarterback or who is your top quarterback? You know, cost-wise, uh, it's hard to overlook uh, Nate Johnson in terms of who I'll have the most exposure to, um, just because if we're playing two quarterbacks the entire slate, and I, I mean, that's my plan. So it, it's hard to think that I'm going to escape with, you know, much less than half of my lineups with Nate Johnson in it just because of the way that they're built. Um, but I, I think Will Howard has, you know, High, he's in that category of guys who have the, the highest upside on the slate, and I don't think you can overlook that. I do think Missouri is going to be able to score. Uh, Kansas State's defense doesn't scare me quite as much as it has in the past, and I, I think that there is, you know, some sneaky potential for a blowout or not a blowout for a, a, a high scoring game, high yeah. scoring shootout. Yeah, so I think that that's that's really interesting. Another guy that I, I really am big on on the slate. We're not going to talk about here, but uh, Flexor Shade withdrew Alar this week at Illinois in uh, the Chris K upset special of the week. Um, I think uh, I think Alar is yeah, looking nice too, but I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that for right now. Yeah, he's an interesting one. You know, I we'll talk about it in, the, in that little segment, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I as a whole, I like Aller, and I. I think there's some value there and he's just a, a good fit for college football at the very least. I know C2C yeah. guys love him for the next level. Yeah. Um, so th- th- that Penn state game will be an interesting one for sure. Looking at, you know, you mentioned Missouri. I kind of like Brady cook. Um, yeah. Somebody shared his stats like last year, first half or second half of the year. And he like really improved his game. Um, yeah. And then he comes into this season and he has a couple middling performances, essentially of 20 fantasy points per game, but the usage has been pretty low. It would also wasn't necessarily as needed as much. You wonder against Kansas state, you know, when these teams that are middle of the pack, like a Missouri, and they go up against the Kansas state part of me is like, you got to let your big dogs eat, man. You got to, yeah. if Luther burden isn't getting like 15 targets. Yeah. 10 plus targets, then you're doing it wrong, right? If Cody Schrader isn't getting 20 touches, if Brady Cook isn't being used in all facets, like, and I think, I think Drankowitz is a, is a smart coach. So I think he'll do that. So I like Brady Cook 
I think weird with that. No, I I like that call, especially in tournaments. I think he's going to be super low owned just because of the guys around him in that price range. Um, You got Davis Brin, Riley Leonard, Jake or Jack Plummer, um, all kind of in that same tier. And I think all three of those guys are going to have higher ownership than Brady Cook. Um, I also love the fact that with Cook, you have some very clear cut stacking options with Burden or Theo Weiss. Um, I think that that's that's a smart way to attack tournaments this this week um, is just kind of going with those, uh, like you said, those middling options and those those teams that are um, going to have to lean on the talent that they have. And, and Brady Cook, I mean, he's not a world beater by any means, but he's he's the best arm that, that Missouri has for sure. So I think they they let him uh, off the chain a little bit this week. Yeah, what's funny is they kind of made it seem like it was a competition. Yeah with um, Sam Horn and maybe even Jay Garcia. And then clearly, right. Like he's just really been pretty efficient. Um, So I'm curious to see what kind of numbers he puts up if they let him, you know, he's going to lose some effectiveness, but he's, he'll get it back easily in volume. So I'm going to tell you, let's say, let's pick one. I think we've rattled off a bunch of quarterbacks. There's a lot of good options. We're going to talk to about uh, two of them in flex or fade. So, Check that out. But I'm going to talk a weird quarterback option. If you do not have one in your head, I'm giving you a 30 second head start to think cool. of one. All right. So I'm going, this is going to, this is, I feel kind of dirty. Thomas Castellanos. I think like with his potential rushing upside and his cost, which is 5,700, makes for an interesting play. You know, it seems like Pat Garwo is still hurt. He might not play in this one. Do they give, Castellano 16 carries again. Um, and then, you know, how effective is he with that? You know, it's Florida State's defense. But at BC is a tough beast, man. I, I'm a Virginia Tech fan, and I've seen it. You, if you have the better team going into BC, it means nothing. You know, like, yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if this game stays closer than it should be. Um, so I think, like, there's some real potential rushing upside there. And it does kind of seem like he's become a little bit of a better passer. We'll yeah. see what happens, but he feels like one of those super raw quarterbacks that he could just blow up. Like it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if he's 15 for 150 on Saturday. Yeah. I think I I, I can't argue too much with that. I, I like uh Castellanos in that regard. Um another thing that makes me wor- wary of any Florida State options this week. Uh do you know who Florida State plays next week? Uh, is that the Clemson game? It's a Clemson game. Yeah. Oh, so a little over overlook. Look ahead spot for sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll stick in the same vein here. And I'll, I'll pick another guy who I like on the other side of a look ahead spot. Burt Emanuel Jr. Uh, for Ooh. Central Michigan. Not too much more expensive than Castellanos. He's 6,100 compared to Castellanos, 5,700. Um, Notre Dame next week plays Ohio State. And so, uh, you know, I, I could definitely see this being a... We're not going to uh, necessarily come for four quarters of this this game. Um, and Emmanuel Jr., always the uh, upside of breaking a big play, breaking a big run, um, making something happen with his legs. So some cheap options for sure this week that I think will be um, very appealing and we'll probably see some increased ownership on the, the higher uh, price running backs and wide receivers as a result. Yeah, it really spreads the field out for quarterbacks when you have that because you get some more options. It just like this feels like a lot more options than last week. For sure. Um, and I will say just to hop on top of Burt, like I won't have a lot of Burt. That just is going to be a hard projection with the Vegas total yeah. where it is. 
But anytime you can get 15 to 20 carries, like all it takes is one, you know, you get a cheap touchdown and you break a 50 yarder. And then all of a sudden at that price, that's not a bad option at all. Yeah. You know, staying in that game, I think for me, Audric Estime is probably my, like you said, Hey, who's going to score the most fantasy points. Yeah. I might lean on estimate to be that guy at the very least. He's probably like the, the top cash running back for me. Just they rely on him so much. He's huge. Yeah. He scores like, you know, central missions, Michigan is not stopping that. And in, in these kind of a uh, blowouts, he's still seen a significant amount of usage. So that doesn't worry me as what, uh, as much. Yeah. Uh, just looking at the top options this week. I mean, a lot of these guys are one half of a timeshare. Um, almost like the top like six or seven guys here look like they're a part of a timeshare. Knowing that Estime is locking in, you know, 15 carries and, uh, you know, some passing work probably as well. Um, he's established himself as the goal line presence as well. So that's that's nice to see and, and nice to have in your back pocket. Um, I, I see no reason to fade Estime other than you only get two running back slots and one flex and you can only play so many players, but um he it seems like a very good option um i'm probably more interested in that next tier down um you know the, just to say that top tier we've got estimate henderson braylon allen uh ches malusi and mayan williams all those uh committee backfields there um but once we get down to our, around 6500 that's where i start to see some guys who i really like um Trey Benson uh, uh, for uh, Florida State uh, is a, a nice option. Uh, Damian Martinez, um, Jace McClellan is really interesting. I know he hasn't really gotten going yet, but seems like a good opportunity for him. And then uh, Singleton as well there at 6,300. So do you, is there a guy who jumps out in that press range that you like? Man, it's tough because these guys are all really appealing. I feel like Trey Benson's probably the safest for, well, shoot, Damian Martinez is probably the safest. Benson's probably right there with him, but I think he's got more upside as we saw last week. You know, Damian Martinez is, Martinez is super impressive, but DJU and what Oregon State does, stealing touchdowns, is just yep. going to always limit his upside. Yep. Um, but at this price, you don't need 30 points to feel yep. great about it, right? Um, McClellan will be the toughest one for me because I think – I have very much, I have a lot of worries here. Um, he just hasn't looked good. Yeah. His usage hasn't really been all that high. There is a real strong chance that, you know, you project him for a significant amount of carries and saving zags, you know, Tommy yeah. Reese zags, and they, he finds a different running back. I, right now, he projects in the 20, like the low 20s for me in terms of fantasy points. Yeah. And that's the one that like scares me the most of like, is this actually right? Because I just think that Saban and Reese could just, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Obviously I'm talking about it now. So that's what I'm concerned about. Is there any running back by committee or replacement concern for you with him? Not as much. Um, I think if Alabama were losing games and people were saying it's because they haven't found that running game, I I could see that being more of a uh, reason. But right now, that whole focus is on figuring out the passing game and figuring out who's the quarterback long-term for this team. Um, And I think that plays into McClellan's strengths because he is a good receiving back as well. 
Um, and so obviously Bama off a loss is the situation that you, you want to play Bama players if you can, just because you know that Saban's got them fired up. He is looking to make a statement. Really soft opponent with South Florida. Um, it'll be interesting because part of me thinks that the other side of it, South Florida might be able to put up some points uh, just with that, uh, that passing attack, but um you know, nothing at all confident. That's as thin as they come and as far as plays. Um, but if they do, you know, put some points on the board uh, and keeps Bama, you know, two or three touchdowns ahead uh, for most of the first three quarters, um, I could see McClellan really having a, a heyday with that and, and going off. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that would put him in like the perfect, like there's a, the perfect world for like a running back is like two touchdown favorites and you're like decently used And that kind of, there's a couple of people that fit that mold for this slate. For me, it's Braylon Allen is going to get a, there is, I think some potential concern on like what the heck Phil Longo is doing. Phil, if yeah. you're listening, what are you doing? Can you just <laughs> DM me again and let me know? Cause I'm concerned. Um, but I think, you know, how fits that is your Penn state guys. I think, yeah. Singleton and Catron Allen are in a really good spot. Two touchdown cool. favorites on the road. You know, like James Franklin is probably very confident. Drew Aller, there's a lot of reason to. He's thrown like 80% of passes is completed. But like, wouldn't it be smart to just ground and pounds and get Aller's feet under him and give Singleton and Allen two stud running backs like a decent usage up front to make them feel good and then get the game scripts going? It, I know you like Singleton. Is is there a time though when like Allen pops? Is this when Allen pops? When is that happening? I I like Al uh, Katron Allen more than I like Singleton this week at Price. Um, last week Allen had um, I believe he got one touchdown in the box score, but he also had another one that was called back uh, early in the first half with a uh, holding call. Um, so I, I think that there's a good chance that this is Katron's game. Um, that being said. Penn State has two great running backs, but they don't have a deep running back rotation. Um, they've got Singleton, they've got Allen. Trayson Potts is, you know, capable, but he's not anything spectacular. And I think, I think the staff knows that if this team is going to uh, do something special and and make a potential playoff run this year, that they're going to need Singleton and Allen down the stretch. They also know that. Drew Allar, this is his first, or Drew Allar, this is his first uh, road start. And so I do think that early, um, that first drive, I think that you're going to see Singleton out of the backfield catching passes, and I think it's going to be um, getting him in rhythm. But I really think that they're going to air it out this week. And I, I think that if you're playing Singleton, you're playing at Allen, you're assuming um, – you know, two to three touchdown favorite, and you're assuming that they're going to get the goal line work and that they're they're going to get the touchdown equity this week. Um, both are such, I mean, slam dunk paper spots for sure. Um, that being said, uh, you mentioning Braylon Allen, I almost think that I would prefer to play the Wisconsin running backs and play both of them this week. I'm more inclined to play both of those running backs than I would be to play uh, Singleton and Allen this week. You're talking generally speaking or same lineup? Same lineup. Okay. 
I think they can coexist, right? I think we've all seen Tanner Mordecai, right? It's just he's turned into a little bit of game manager or just not been very yep. great, which is is what it is. Um, okay. They haven't had like, you know, I think it was at Washington State, right? Like that's not the easiest yeah. of matchups for, you know, to go, you know, West Coast like that. I think it makes a lot of sense to get those guys active. There's some, you know, maybe there's a delay, you know, maybe there is some true validity to like the one year delay in uh, maybe we call it jet lag for offensive systems at new places. So the targets are there. What's really weird to me is I felt like Malusi was the pass catcher coming into the season. And now it's like, he's gotten like basically nothing and Braylon Allen leads the team in targets, which is just very odd. Man. And Malusi looks really good between the tackles. Like, Looking at the two of them, it's hard because I've played Braylon Allen in both both of the first two weeks and been course, frustrated yeah. with his usage. But if I'm the offensive coordinator and I see the way the two of them are running, Malusi makes the most sense as as the guy to give the carries to just with his efficiency so far. Yeah, looking at the rest of the running back room, one guy we considered as an option for flex or fade was this Makai Hughes, two-lane running back. 4,600 coming off a 23 carry game. You like him. I don't love him. So maybe we kind of spitball the flex fade. We give the people a third flex to fade. What are they, (laughs) what are they missing? Let's start with the, the flex here. What are you doing with Hughes? Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting. I mean, obviously there's a usage uh, variable with the fact that Michael Pratt was out that I think does give a little bit of hesitation and pause um, the fact that they used him quite a bit as a wildcat wildcat quarterback um, does make you think that he benefited from the fact that Pratt was out um, and probably got, you know, four or five touches that he typically would not have gotten um, if Michael Pratt was in that game. But the fact that they just weren't rotating running backs uh, very well. Um, and I mean, the idea that he was efficient and got yardage in those situations against an SEC defense, granted it's Ole Miss, um, really, I think just speaks volumes about where they're at and the fact that they, they are to a point where, you know, if a guy does show out and is the hot hand, they will ride him. Okay. Okay. The, my caution for him is, um, more based around snaps and it's it's hard, right? He got 22 carries last week, and I it had to be like almost 65%. But Shady Clayton Johnson had 31 snaps to his 39. So it's like he's getting taken off the field for these pass snaps. And how much does that actually what does that actually do negatively? I don't know, right? Like PPR is, is a game changer for running backs. Um, I've heard Froton talk about, you know, how valuable that is. He's done some offseason stuff on that, yeah. which is interesting. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Um, I don't love the, it just doesn't feel like the, the true upside is there. And I just don't trust what they're going to do in that room. So in situations like this one, where I don't feel super comfortable with a Hughes, or I never felt comfortable with Shady Clayton, like we could, it could be any name. I wouldn't feel comfortable with it in this room. So that's why I'm kind of veering away from it. Although I will say, if you're going cheap, there's not a lot of options. So like yeah, if you get pegged into this mid 4k range, he does seem like one of the better options. I just wouldn't find myself in this, this route, this section of like my final player. If yeah. I was playing cash, like I, I wouldn't just construction. Cash. First. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, one guy that was in this room, this section of the, the value or the, the cost is cam Porter. 
And I know, I think you're a Dukey. I think you like Duke a little bit. Obviously, you're a Riley Leonard fan. Is is Cam Porter sketchy this weekend? I I mean, more sketchy than usual. Um, I, I don't think he's any more sketchy than usual. Uh, I do think that if Northwestern is going to be moving the ball, it's going to be more dink and dunk underneath um, completion-oriented things rather than any sort of bully ball. I mean, Northwestern is just not built for that this year. Um, You know, I go back to the game against Rutgers uh, and the fact that Porter was taken off the field for Anthony Tyus and um, just didn't get a whole lot of volume. I feel like there's a potential that that's the case again this week. Um, if they get behind early, which I assume they will. Um, I don't know if he is locked into that pass catching role. I know he's got the talent to do it and I know he's got the skill set to do it, but just so far this year, he's looking at two receptions last week against UTEP for 14 yards. Um, even in that rotation against Rutgers, he had four for 26, but you know, I feel like just with the way that salaries and budget looks this week, that there's not really a whole lot of reason to dig this deep at running back. Mm-hmm. Um, when there are some guys in that mid, that mid price tier that are just so appealing and present such high upside. Yeah. I will give you that, right? Like the, if you could just find another K, you know, 1500, you're getting to this tier where you could see 30 points. Um, from a the reason why I thought he was interesting, and I, I write him up. It, anytime I feel like a guy is, but it's kind of like the rushing quarterback situation. Oh, I could get fifteen to twenty rushes out of a quarterback. Like I need to consider that a little bit. I do think we could see twenty touches out of Porter. He does. We kind of need this one to not get way out of hand early. Although yeah. I will say some of the different like PFF stats do help him a little bit, even though it's just a two game sample. So like. He has seen the he has run the most routes of running backs, 22 to uh Hyman's 15. He's got the third most targets, although Kurtz will have his uh is back and healthy, and I believe, yeah. and should kind of dig into that a little bit. So it's a little sketchy, but I think like you know, it could be interesting. Um I've got a real heard one for you. Oh yeah. If I I'm hoping it's the one I was about to say. Uh are we we're gonna talk some Weaver State. Demont We're going to talk some Weaver State. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> Just a crazy game log for this guy. Like, absolutely absurd. 3,000, so stone minimum for the running back here. And he put up, okay, Central Washington, he put up 31.7 points, 119 yards, two touchdowns on 13 carries, and then 38.7 points against northern iowa i believe that is uh 22 attempts 144 yards three touchdowns and i mean it looks like he gets some pass work too he's got five catches overall this season for about 31 yards so um real gross but uh there's some interest on on my end i mean the thing is that from a roster construction standpoint it doesn't make as much sense to take the risk on a guy like porter or maybe even hughes if you agree with me because you don't get enough salary relief to help you, yeah. right? At That's least with fair, Bankston, yeah. you're getting three. It's three k. That that cost savings is huge. I I don't mind him. Why not? Right? Like yeah. we did this with uh, that Mercer guy. I just looked him up. Devron Harper. Yeah, he went four for forty seven. So you know, I mean, it's not the worst. But you're right. Like I think it's just a heavy usage thing. I think 
Weber State's funny to like, oh, it's Weber State who that, but like they're actually a pretty decent FCF, FCS yeah. program. Like, I'm yeah. not saying they're going to come anywhere near beating Utah, but like, this isn't going to be 73 to seven. You know, Correct. I could see yeah. this being like a 52 14, a 45 10. Like, it's not going to be like way over. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't mind it because the salary, it actually makes sense from a roster construction standpoint compared to like my cam Porter suggestion. Yeah. That, um, I think you make a really good point. Um, I have a, a buddy who used to play ball, uh, for Utah and he, he said that the, the Weber state, uh, football team is very well regarded locally, uh, in the state of Utah. Um, they are a team that I think will come and play with pride. I do have a little bit of concern playing a running back with that game script. Yeah. Um, but that being said, is Utah's offense even that great with Cam Rising not at quarterback? I mean, they struggled both of their weeks. Um, it's I don't think it's a game that will be a runaway at all. And I think that Weber State is likely going to think, play to our strengths, shorten the game, uh, and lean on you know the stud that we have who's putting up 35 fantasy points a game. Yeah, that's a, a good point too. Is that like Utah's offense? This is the time to face Utah because they are not full strength. Yeah. Um, before we shift gears to wide receivers, do you know where Weber State is? Obviously in Utah. Do you know the city? Oof. Uh, I'm not sure. There's a left tackle with the same name, Jonathan Ogden, Ogden, Utah. So Ogden, Utah. That is just north of Salt Lake City. I was going to say uh, Fashanu. Uh, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just looked it up, so I, I can't act like I'm some genius here. I like it. Uh, wide receiver. So does this start and end with like Marvin Harrison Jr.? You I mean, know? it starts and ends with that game. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, there's a lot of goodness. We didn't really touch on it at all with the quarterback uh, conversation, but easy to, to loop that in here with the passing attack. But, you know, I think with – McCord finally being named the quarterback. It's putting that competition to bed for the time being. Um, this is about the time when we saw CJ Stroud start to really come into his own about three games into the season. Um, Western Kentucky. I struggle to say that they're going to be competitive in this game, um, but I think they will be fun in this game. I think they'll put up some points. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on the pricing discrepancy between Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Agbuka, and Julian Fleming, all separated by roughly $1,000. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably worth his his price up until like $10,000 plus. Um, yeah. I, it is interesting. Will You make a good point about Stroud. Will we see McCord come into his own with the more and more game real reps? I struggle to think of him as like even 80% of Stroud. I mean, Stroud was impressive, right? But we'll yeah. see, right? We'll see in the next couple of weeks. And if that does occur where he's not, you know, where he's 60% of Stroud, he's going to, he's going to force bar, force feed it to Marvin Harrison, like nonstop. And I don't mind paying. I know it's $1,300, but cons- I don't mind paying up for Harrison over Egbuka. And the reason why is a couple of things. The way Ryan Ryan Day uses him is like absolutely 
ridiculous. <laughs> they act like he's just some CFL receiver that just stands at the line and just, oh, I'll throw it to him. What a, you know, like the, so it's like, come on, man, what are we doing? Like, if you watched the game last week, which I hope you didn't, um, he, his one touchdown was like this one yard pass that he made a move and he scored a 20 yard touchdown. Like, if that doesn't happen, his day is pretty awful. And I just think that's a consistent thing that we're going to see. And it's just super frustrating. And I will say, it feels like they they go right to Harrison and then they're like, oh, yeah, we want to make a, a Mecca happy. So we'll throw him to him a couple of times, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. And I, I won't consider Fleming just because why would you at that price? Third receiver for Ohio State is just not. I can't you know, do you know the target share between those guys, though? Probably pretty close enough. Fleming, Fleming and Ibuka both have the same number of targets. I believe they're both at 13 for the year. Um, so interesting Ryan, there. Ryan but, Day for you. Yeah, for, for real. I'm, you know, I'm frustrated with the, the way that Ryan Day and this coaching staff use their receivers. There is no reason why they sh- they should not be using or they should be using Emeka Ibuka the same way that Alabama used Jaden Waddle. And there is no reason why this passing attack shouldn't be as potent as Alabama's was when Alabama had Devontae and Jaden Waddle. I say that with Ibuka. I feel like he's just the gadget guy who you get the ball in space. And you do it regardless of game script. You do it, you know, you get him the ball in space. Marvin Harrison Jr. can do everything that you would want any receiver to do. So um, I do like Harrison more uh, this week just for uh, tournaments. I think he's a lower owned option. That being said, there's no reason why you're going to really be needing that extra 1300 it feels like, with the way that there are some salary savings at quarterback. Um so maybe I'm a little uh, wrong in that regard, but yeah, Ohio State really seems like a lock to at least have one of those receivers in your lineup this week. Yeah, let's stay on uh, this Western Kentucky game because I feel like everybody in the CFF world wants this game to be close Yeah, because we love, I think we're all kind of pseudo Western Kentucky fans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that is, you know, it's fun. Are they going to do it? Do you realistically think they can hang with them? And if so, what does that mean for your receiver usage? Yeah, I am of the opinion that if Western Kentucky is going to have true success in this game, that that may ultimately be a bad a bad thing for Malachi Corley. Um, and I know that's super counterintuitive, and you think that the best player on Western Kentucky is going to have a great game if Western Kentucky is uh, making a game of it. Um, but that being said, if Western Kentucky is in this game, the defense is playing this game like it is a game. And they're in a position where they are going to really lock down Malachi Corley. I think, I think there is a non-zero chance that Malachi Corley gets completely swamped with the way that Western Kentucky's receiving health is going into this game. Um, I don't believe they'll have Dalvin Smith. I don't believe Ma- uh, Michael Matheson is back. Um, so it really limits the options, I think, for the Western Kentucky receiving receiving game. Um, and so I think that if Western Kentucky wants to win this game, I think they're going to need the other wide receivers to step up. And I think that starts with Blue Smith, the Ohio State transfer, 
Um, got a little bit of a revenge game narrative going on with him. Um, I I really think that Malachi Corley best chance to having a ceiling game is Western Kentucky being three touchdowns down for the majority of the game and not getting a defense that's necessarily concerned about losing a football game. Yeah. So I wrote about this. I'm, I have formed an opinion. I'm curious what you think. We didn't even talk about Austin Reed. So this is maybe our opportunity to do so. Um, If you're playing Austin Reed, do you have to play Corley? And if you're playing Corley, do you have to play Austin Reed? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, uh, I would say that if you're playing Austin Reed, you have to play Malachi Corley. Okay. I think if you're playing Malachi Corley, you do not have to play Austin Reed. Okay. I think you have to do both, but if the, I think a little bit of that is because of Austin Reed's price tag. Yeah, if fifty five hundred is so low, and he does bring a a little bit of rushing ability, yeah. Um, so I think I would do both, uh, because man, Cooley's gonna have to have a big game if you're. I don't know. I I would play both, but I think you definitely have to. I mean, there's without question if you're playing Austin Reed, I think you have to play Corley. I don't see a world where Corley at forty seven hundred doesn't get twelve to fifteen points. And Austin Reed also does well, you know, like I don't, those two things are combined. If you're thinking Austin Reed's valuable. So um, we'll see what happens. I'm curious to see where Corley's ownership is on the slate. I haven't looked into um, thoughts and projections on it, but I I will certainly, that'll be one of the things I'll certainly be looking at come uh, Saturday morning. I think this, what makes it a little bit more interesting is the depth of these mid range guys, which we have in the, in the running back room, but also in this receiver room of these five, six K guys, which one are you looking at first? Um, you set up to six K. Yeah. Five, six K anywhere around there. Um, you know, I, we talked a little bit about uh, Brady cook. Luther burden is well in play. Um, I think Derwin Burgess I think all of the Georgia State receivers are really interesting with Burgess, Hood, and then the uh, bargain special of J.J. McAfee uh, this week. Um, I think that that's a game where you're going to get volume. Um, I, you know, I, I think that it's really a better slate because they have these high volume guys at such cheap prices. Um, in terms of the Georgia the Georgia Southern offense as well as the Western Kentucky offense, you've got a real opportunity for some some breakout um, performances from some some cheap guys. Um, so those those are the guys that my mind goes through. I mean, Jamari Thrash is also one that jumps off the page at fifty three hundred. Yeah, um, what about um, you? You know, what's funny is you know you mentioned Burden, who I think is an incredible play. Uh, and I didn't even write about him. You know, it's just like there's <laughs> yeah. there's so many options here. But yeah, I think mine is Jamari Thrash. I think, man, you watched that Murray State game because it was the only thing on Thursday night football that for college, right? And it was like the Jack Plummer was like, I don't. Do we have any other receivers? I think I'm just gonna throw it to Thrash on this one. <laughs> like it just felt like Thrash, Thrash, Thrash. And you know, it, what's nice is um, he's shown talent at Georgia State. He's shown talent in the first two weeks in the off season. It was, 
I, you know, the, the tea leaves, Bainbridge, all those guys were leaning towards thrash as like the guy. And it's, so yeah. it's been really nice in affirming that he's in that Chuck sizzle role in the first two weeks. So I think he's probably the guy that I play the most. Yeah. Um, but like you said, man, Burgess is really appealing. Caleb hood's really appealing. Um, you know, like Brock Bowers at 4,700. I don't think I like him there because I think, you know, he is always due for like a crazy game. Yeah. Um, so, and I like the matchup against South Carolina. You know, we might see, this might be one of our highest snap totals we see, right. For for Bowers. So if you're not using them this week, you're probably not going to use them again. Yeah. Um, who do you like between, um, I, I think I know the answer, but between, the, the secondary options with Louisville and Georgia Southern with Kevin Coleman or um, Caleb Hood? I would take Hood. I Huggins Bruce has a ton of snaps. A lot of it's come in the second half, though. So yeah. there's that caveat. But I'm just not sure Plummer is able to use a second receiver. And I think yeah. we truly might see a ton of that. Plus, I just think Hood is better. Like, I think... That offense in a passing attack is better. The only thing that Louisville's got going for them is it's their matchup is better. Yeah. Um, it's about an $800 difference, uh, Hood being the more expensive one. Um, the reason why I ask, I'm a little more bullish on Kevin Coleman than you are, I think, just because in that game uh, against Murray State, he had a few catches called back because of penalties. He had a few just drop passes that, you know, you can fault him for, but um, it seems like they're pushing the ball so much that there will still be opportunities outside of um, Thrash, I believe. Um, and I I would much prefer him than uh, Amari Huggins-Bruce. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely worth, worth the conversation. Um, keeping in the K. Coleman uh, combo, uh, Thoughts on Keon Coleman at 6,500? Uh, in on Keon Coleman at 6,500. Yeah, I think that offense, man. Johnny Wilson's banged up. It does seem like he's going to be fine, you know, maybe precautionary yeah. or like holding him out of practice or limited, right? But which is totally fair. That happens to a lot of guys. Um, but, you know, that is a, that's a, that player is just incredible to start. We see him with yeah. a real quarterback. No offense, Peyton Thorne, my yeah. fellow. War Eagle Tiger. Um, I like him. I like him. I think the game will be close enough where we don't have to worry about him sitting like we've talked about. So Keon Coleman's in for me. Yeah. That makes sense for sure. I did want to touch on JJ McAfee because I liked McAfee in the off season. Um, You know, I play, we play all these like tight end premium leagues. So you start reaching for guys like, interesting options maybe miss miss rostered options receiver he has he's more of a receiver than a tight end but i think he actually does go in line whatever that means um but i saw a stat from nick from the winning edge and amidst his portfolio of data if you've never heard about him i think he's at cfb winning edge and he's now found at c2c by the way um and it was like this explosive play or explosive yard stat that the only the type of stuff that Nick can concoct um, that is available at campus to Um, So I liked him a lot and I think his price tag is really good too. Yeah. At, 3, I believe 3,400. 3, now you get into this 
the problem here is that we just rattled off like a bunch of mid to cheap Georgia Southern options plus Western Kentucky options. Yeah. I would be very weary and very thoughtful of the fact that like these two teams are pretty decent size underdogs. So don't yeah. put all your eggs in one basket. I would try to kind of diversify those options because you could just straight tank lineups <laughs> with, with those players. I'm just yeah. going to put it out there, but. You could have like um, $8,000 $8, salary remaining if you uh, yeah. do the Georgia, Georgia Southern Western Kentucky double sack. Yeah. I mean, this receiver position is pretty fun and deep. Um, yeah. Is there someone that I we haven't talked about besides, you know, obviously the guys so far that's interesting to you? Um, you know, I've got a little bit of – we always look at tight ends in this cheap area, uh, just kind of going off of um, McAfee. Thomas Yasmin is down there at thirty-five or thirty-four hundred. I've been disappointed with his usage so far, but it does seem like, you know, eventually the Utah passing game is going to realize that they have tight ends again. Um, and then maybe that doesn't happen until Cam Rising comes back. Um, another just flyer at that price, Theo Johnson uh, is thirty-four hundred as well. Another tight end, Penn State. Um, I think, and this is purely speculative. There's nothing that's really backing this up i think theo johnson got in the doghouse this this summer because of an off the field incident um if i remember correctly there was some sort of legal activity that was going on um where theo johnson did get some discipline um was a non-factor against west virginia seemed like they slowly started easing him in last week against delaware um only had two receptions for 14 yards last week um I think that we'll see him start to get incorporated more into this, this offense. I'll be completely uh, candid in that I expected him to be a top 10 tight end this year. And he has just completely nosedived. Now, part of that is that the receivers are playing much better than I anticipated them to play through two games. Um, And there hasn't been a reason to rely as heavily on the tight ends. But I think that there's another aspect of that as he is a little bit in the coaching doghouse right now. And uh, Tyler Warren has been getting the snaps that he uh, would have been projected for. Yeah. Warren has looked pretty decent. Theo's looked pretty decent, but it's just, they've kind of split the snaps way more than I think we all expected. I would agree with that. Um, and it, you know, when you go this cheap, you do have to look at tight ends. There's not a lot of receiver op true receiver options that are here. Yeah. Um, one guy I would mention that I find pretty interesting, complete shock is and I think Nate was on him a little bit. Another tight end, Amari Nylak. Um, yeah. young guy from Alabama. If you told me the top three guys to run routes for Alabama at this point, I would be shocked if it was not Jermaine Burton. I know he's number one, but I would be shocked if like Isaiah Bond was number two, which he yeah, is right. tied with Burton, and then it's Amari Nyblack, one snap behind. So he's getting he's running a ton of routes something I've incorporated more this year. We talked about last year, like, Hey, early season production, how much we weigh. I'm starting to add in receiver routes, like how sure. often they're doing it, because I think snaps are great, but it, like, if you're just run blocking as a receiver, who cares? So let's look at who's running routes. And I think he's run a ton of routes, man. 4k. I wish he was a little bit cheaper, but yeah, not the worst option. Um, just looking at some of these other cheap guys, man, it's just, it is slim pickings. It, there's not yeah. a ton of options besides these uh, previously mentioned ones. Yeah. Um, another guy who I think we should at least mention, Kim Camper, um, has been battling health stuff. I heard today that 
Um, Tom Allen said that he uh, had no comment on Cam Camper's availability heading into this weekend. I didn't take that as a uh, positive sign. Um, and I, I do expect him to be, if he's playing, he will be on a pitch count and be, be limited for sure. Interesting. Cause I kind of, I would never play Cam Camper at 5k, by the way, not especially with coming off an injury, but I think he either plays fully or he plays not at all. And I think yeah. the recent, I saw a report cause I do stuff with unabated. If you've never heard of the site, you should check it out. It's a little bit pricey if we're going to be completely honest but it's worth checking out the data is good um and i'm going to do a video on cam camper because i think there's i think there's an edge to be had here spoiler so we'll see his his receiving yard total on underdog is fairly low oh yeah 35 i think yeah i think it's like 35 and a half but yeah um any any random final thoughts we're kind of up on the the hour mark that we like yeah. to stay around. Yeah. I, you know, everybody's saying that this is a really soft week for college football and and not a ton of, of great games worth watching, but all things considered, I think DraftKings did a really great job of building the slate this week. Um, limited FCS opponents. Um, you know, it's, I, I think the games that are here on this main slate, there aren't a ton of games that, are going to be just absolutely unbearable. Um, and there are a lot of games here. I'm looking at, you know, the Boston College, Georgia Southern, Western Kentucky. Underdogs who have some juice and and are have a fighter's chance um, in at least covering the spread and making things interesting. So I'm excited about this week. I think that um, we're in the season of watch what weather does as well um and i think that's worth saying on on any uh dfs slate um but particularly again northeast uh it seems like there's going to be some some scattered storms mm-hmm. rolling through again um so just be cognizant of that and um know what DraftKings rules are if games get canceled or postponed or anything like that just to uh keep an eye on it yeah i'm soaking in this weekend even i think it's a it's- byu uh, that BYU and Arkansas game is interesting. Yeah. I, I just like sometimes the random fun matchups you don't ever see before. So that's one of them. You know, I think there's plenty of good games. There's not like the, you know, Texas Bama game, right? And that's just how it is. We're early in the season. Yeah. When we get in conference, we'll see more of that, the good stuff. Um, I mean, it goes to say we've been asking this every single week, but are we, we're using two quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the options are there where we uh, kind of have to for sure. Um, trying to see if I needed to do anything else. I think that's about it. I think we covered it all. I, you know, if you guys haven't checked out Campus to Canton, I mean, the articles, Ethan, you're doing a lot of prop stuff. I've got a DFS article that comes out. We do the flex or fade for NIL members. We have this content that comes out. We just found out today that it's not a video. So I've been wearing like suit and tie and you guys have never seen it, which is wild. Uh, damn you, Austin. But um, <laughs> yeah, here we are. But oh, hey, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. Uh, good luck to everybody. If you have questions, feel free to hit us up in Discord. Um, I could probably be a little bit more active in Discord. But if you tag me, I will see it. I just there's a lot of channels in that thing, man. So Hope everybody has a good time, enjoys the weekend, and we'll talk to you guys next week.